You are now listening to Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Fregera. It's a podcast designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity, how we can rise above it, claim our divine inheritance, and return the soul power to the people. Welcome, welcome to Soul Power to the People podcast. My name is Tess Regara, your host, Soul Powered Executive Coach at soulpoweredleaders.com. Okay, so I want to start this podcast with a quote from our guest, Stormy King. She says on her website, the greatest wealth is the freedom to create your own life. Isn't that beautiful? But how? 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 When you are robbed of your innocence, when your mind is poisoned, when your body is poisoned and your health taken away from you, right? When you're poisoned from the time you were born. My beautiful radiant guest here, Stormy King, was born drug addict and raised in 28 different homes to traffic. She was trafficked. So one of the reasons that had me start this podcast was finding out about human trafficking, something that has gotten so problematic, not just in the States, but around the world. So I'd love to hear from our guest, Stormy King. Stormy is referred to as destiny creator, as a multi-hyphenate mindset coach who herself had to rise from the ashes of traumatic childhood. So Stormy, what do we do now? How do you rise above crimes against humanity, crimes against children? When you are robbed of innocence, of health, how do you take your power back? Thank you Tess, so much for having me. It's, it's such an honor and, and thank you for such a beautiful opening. Taking our power back, like, wow. Just even saying that, take your power back, just it gives me chills because it really is. It, it, it's about taking our power back. But the peace for me was someone else reaching their hand out. Mm-hmm. Showing me that there's a better way. There's an easier way. It doesn't have to stay this way. And it started, um, for me, it started with an advocate while I was in foster care who was my voice when I didn't have one. And then when I ended up being trafficked by someone, a boyfriend who I really liked, that I loved, it was young, impressionable. I had this traumatic childhood that had been stolen from me. You know, I didn't know what a family was. Everybody was mom, everybody was aunt and uncle, huge attachment issues. And, um, there was a, there was a group that helped me get out of that and then began the healing journey and learning to love myself and learning to understand and know it wasn't my fault. I did nothing mm-hmm. wrong. And re, really, it was about learning to love myself and taking what had happened to me and being able to share it and provide hope for someone else who's gone through something similar or something um, maybe maybe different, but on you know some form of trauma that is affecting them from reaching out and, and, and achieving their goals, from stepping into their purpose, from standing up and saying, this is who I am, this is what I've been through, and this is how I'm gonna overcome it. And holding mm-hmm. steadfast in that belief, because we've got such a, you, you mentioned it, the dumbed down society. We have created this society that everybody is, is judging everybody else. Everybody's, you know, oh, you can't do that because you don't have money or you don't, you're from a different culture or this happened to you. So who do you think you are that you deserve mm-hmm. that? And I kind of um, have this, who do you think I'm not? Because watch me, tell me I can't do something and watch me do it. And I'm going to do it twice as good as I said I was going to do it. And you can sit in the audience. And 
some people say that that that's ego or that's you know show off and why can't i show up and show off why can't i be who i was born and created to be i was brought here on earth for a purpose the first 20 years of my life or 17 years of my life sucked i lost my childhood i didn't get experiences that many child children get but you know what my story is not any different than a lot of children every day whether it be children in the foster care system whether it be children that go missing whether it be children that end up in in bad homes you know parents are struggling with drug addiction there's children every day that are losing their sense of they just they don't know what they don't know they think it's normal they don't know any different so we have to be that voice we have to stand up for for their rights and for their for their purpose so they can fulfill their for fulfill the next generation our our children and our children's children and i mean i have i have adult children and i have a young child at home and i worry all the time about my 13 year old what the world is going to be like when his children go to have children because mm-hmm the road that we're going on the if if society does not stand up and make a change and stop treating human beings like property work it down a really really deadly desperate road and it's not just human beings it's just it's transactions we have this way we speak to people even um, and, and talk down to them. Why not have a conversation and talk up, lift them up? Who do you get to be? My childhood was robbed from me. Yes, but you know what? Who do I get to be now? I get to be Stormy King. I get to stand in my power and I get to be the voice of the child that doesn't have one now. And yeah. that's so key. So key to fight, help fight against crimes against humanity. It's stepping up. It's stepping out. It's speaking out against the crimes. You see these, you know, social media has been so amazing and so detrimental on so many levels, like amazing on giving us a platform to empower, like truly empower other people. And then at the same time, it brings people down because they get afraid. Well, who am I? What do I matter? My story doesn't matter. You matter. We all have a story from somewhere. There's some kind of story, some kind of trauma, but who do you get to be? And what kind of voice do you get to have? And I get to step into my joy. I get to step into my power. I get to step into my courage to be the voice for someone else. And it's about changing the self-image. It's about changing the story instead of continuing to play the victim. Mm -hmm. I now get to help lead the way to be the voice so it doesn't continue to happen. Thank you. Thank you for that. And that's why I'm so excited to have you today. I have a question though. What does multi-hyphenate mean? Multi-hyphenate. So I have taken so many mindset so many um i i'm an nlp practitioner i'm a reiki master i'm a shaman practitioner i i've taken every course i could pop because that's what i thought i had to do that was what i thought i had to do to overcome because i was continually to search i was on this journey of searching i i had to have to have a piece of paper i give a stack of certificates that's probably i don't know it's probably about this high of everything because I was, I wanted knowledge. And I thought that piece of paper was gonna make me valuable. That piece Mm. of paper was going to be more important than my ability to relate and have empathy and help guide someone through the troubles, the triumphs, the imposter syndromes, the self-image, the self-worth, the traumatic experiences, those paradigms as some people call them or do the shadow work or peel the onion layer back there's we behave and respond to society based on what we've learned from the ages of zero to eight 
And so Mm -hmm. I thought I had to have all of these certificates, all of these things in order to help the other people and really their things. Right, right. I remember uh, doing the same thing that I... I went through coaching, you know, the therapy just didn't, um, uh, I, I was miserable and I didn't know why, you know, I, I thought, you know, as an accountant, I had it all and, and I was going to die an accountant and then boom, there was a wall, there was suffering, there was agony. And I, I didn't want to admit to myself that I was, you know, <laughs> crazy cuckoo. So I, I refused to go to a, a shrink or, or a therapist, but coaching called to me and uh, I tried coaching. It didn't go deep to the core of, you know, cause I've already done that. I was a single mom, you know, it was not just about mindset. It was so much. Um, anyway, I thought, okay, I'm going to take all these courses and have me be the guinea pig. And then once I, experienced the transformation that I was seeking. I, I'm hearing, you know, a resonance there with your story. We, we search all this, right? Because our ego, yes, it's from an egoic point of view, we need to feel significant, you know, kind of feel the void, the emptiness and the longing for more in our spirit is uh, really our nature is to expand and fulfill its destiny. So how do you merge the ego and the soul, the unconscious, the subconscious and the conscious, right? And merge that so that we, this is soul power right here. How do we become whole again? And so what was the journey like for you? You mentioned um, an advocate. Mm-hmm. So I How's that like? Did you go kicking and screaming or did you willingly say, yes, I'm going to change? Um, it took time. It took time. It took, um, I, I often use the the phrase as I, I've been a manic manifester over my the years. Like I could bring some really amazing things in and then the paradigms, the onion layers, the self-image, the self-worth, the self-confidence, the imposter syndrome, all of those things would would pick up. And so I would ha- I would fall back. And then I would have to start doing the work. I could always tell when I wasn't doing the work, but I had an advocate as a small child who was the voice. She was my voice in court. She was my voice um, in the doctor's office, in the therapist's office. I went to all of the therapies. I I got married at a young age, um, you know, and, and I was trying to be the best wife. I wanted to be the, you know, perfect because I, I was striving to become something because because I didn't have an identity. My entire identity was completely wiped from me. And um, so then, you know, the validation that the validation, that's that validation seeking that we have to go get all of these certificates. We have to do this. We have to be the best at this because that's where I got my validation because I didn't get it as a child. And it was learning that. And it was learning that repeatedly. It wasn't a quick process. It was, um, I would learn it. And then mm-hmm. maybe something would trip me up. And then I had to learn it again. Because the, in reality, it's you're always learning. Once you think you've learned it all, or once you think you have it mastered or you're the expert, then there's a really big problem because nobody... We learn every day. I learn even from my my son. We learn new things every day. And the biggest thing that I, for me, in overcoming the trauma was my continued seeking for knowledge, my continued self-work, because I have to do the work in order to help somebody else. I have to keep doing the work. Yeah, that's amazing. And so what? where do people start? right now so if you're looking at me and I was trafficked or uh, even facing a drug addiction problem or any addiction at all you know they, they say habits die hard so how do you have that one knowledge or awareness that there is a problem because you said you know in the beginning there that people don't even know mm-hmm. that they are not living 
their true potential that you know so we are we're robbed of so many things the knowledge of ourself our infinite beingness but how do you start uh where do people start is seeking help seeking help from wherever your community your whatever community you're in there's there's there are resources out there um for for help and but what, what, i'm sorry to cut you but how do you know that you need help because that that's the thing people just get by you know we were taught coping mechanisms <laughs> uh -huh. and, and that's it you, you deal with it that's it uh coping mechanism but how do you go from coping mechanism to recognizing that there's a problem for you to actually seek help that that's different for every person because for some people it's when they hit the rock bottom for some people it's when they they hit their version of whatever rock bottom is maybe it's a loss of a loved one a friend, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a child. Maybe it's a loss of their home. Maybe it's, you know, it's whatever their version of rock bottom is that they make a decision. To seek help comes, it, it, it takes a decision that they no longer want to live this way. And the, the thing is, is it's, they've shown that they can live this way in the addiction or in you know whatever the trauma but we don't know for how long because tomorrow's not promised mm -hmm. so it's a new language up until today my boundaries didn't serve me well and i'm no longer gonna live and allow my boundaries to be broken again i i will overcome but it took seeking out it took hitting rock bottom it took seeking out the people who have survived, people who have overcome before me to inspire me to learn. They talk about, we talk about you become the five people you surround yourself with the most. That really is, is really true. If you look at, um, even in business, you look at, look at addiction. You look at someone who's surrounding, who is addicted and they're surrounding themselves with other people who are in active addiction, overcoming is almost impossible. What happens when the person that is decided to recover, where do they go? They go to recovery meetings, they go to recovery groups, they surround themselves with other people who are recovering and with and, and, and other leaders. So you seek out those who, who, who've led the way before you or other mentors. For me, I hit rock bottom. I no longer wanted to be there. And I knew I had to make a change. And that change, it continued to change over and over and over again. So talk to us about generational poverty and how do you break out of it? Well, generational poverty, when you look at generational poverty, we often think of the financial and something that um you know it's 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 even sometimes a little bit hard for me to acknowledge i broke out of the financial poverty i and i like i said i have older children and younger children um but my older children didn't get the best version of mom that they possibly could and i look back and i know that now i was on this road of i wanted to be I needed this external validation because of the way things had happened when I was was younger that I kept saying I broke generational curses I broke the poverty I did I broke the mold you know I'm not I'm not doing the same thing what I realized is I started doing the inner work just because I was physically here just because I was financially providing the only thing that changed was the financial and that I was physically here. Mm -hmm. It was not the mom I was meant to, was supposed to be. I was not showing up as the mother that I wanted to be. It was not involved in my children. I was too involved with work. I was too involved. So while my children, my, my adult children, you know, had everything that they wanted, they were missing out on having the mom that, that I needed.
you know, we all do the best we can with what we knew how. I thought I was doing everything I was supposed to do. And it wasn't until I started having a, you know, healing risk conversations with, you know, having these healing risk conversations with my family that I realized as I was listening to my daughter speak back to me, as I was listening to my son speak back to me, that they were saying the things to me that I desired to say to my mom and my dad. And I realized, oh, wow, I didn't break this at all. I just recreated Mm. it. It looks different. And as this, as we started to work through this as a family, we're closer and tighter now than we've ever been. But it wasn't until I had these conversations and I went through a program. I worked with a set of mentors and coaches that held me accountable to have that conversation and held me accountable to understand how to have it and how to have it in a responsible way without pointing fingers and without Mm. blame and being open for feedback. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I'm guilty of that too. You know, uh, I got so caught up. in putting food on the table of a single mom. And yeah, Whew. I hear you. So how how is it different now between your older kids and your younger kid? What do you notice is different in your presencing? Um, I'm just I, I'm all around more present. Um, mm-hmm. they, what they, does that look like being more present? There's open conversations. There's, there's, you know, it's not just meals together. It's we have conversations with a with an open door policy, with a you know an agreement to disagree. I'm going to hear your side. You're going to hear my side, and we're going to come to an agreement. But they, you know, they. I was, I'm not always at work. And I'm, you know, it's it's not career first. It's my 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 son comes first. It's 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 much different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I thought I was doing that too. You know, my children first. I was, you know, I would put work down. Uh, I I worked at home to be with my children, and I bring my children to work. But you know what happened though? There was no separation between work and family that I lost myself too. So I did it's the like, same thing. You you mentioned bring your children to work. My my youngest son, I had mm-hmm. him on a Tuesday night. We were in the hospital until the following Monday because we both were really sick. I went to work the next day with him in my hand on my breast as I was nursing him working. And it wasn't, it was just shortly after that that I realized, what am I doing? Yeah. It's yeah. learning how to be fully present when you're with your with your children. And it's not just with your children, with your partners with your friends, Mm -hmm. how often do you go to a restaurant with a group of your girlfriends or a group of your friends and there's this? And not pick up the phone, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we started amongst uh, some girlfriends of of mine, we would go out to eat once, once a week together and everybody turns their phone upside down and they stayed up, the first person to pick up their phone had to pay for lunch unless we made it through the entire hour. That would be the best hour with just, and because it was, we were all fully present with each other. And when I started doing that kind of stuff at home, like we've lost each other as a fan, as families, we've replaced family values with other things. And we're right. Right. As, as single moms, we work, because that's what we have to do. We have to provide, right? We want to do the right. certain things, but we don't realize that we could pick up a side hustle. We could do this. We could do that and not work so hard. Or maybe it looks different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we, like you said, we do the best thing in the awareness and the level of consciousness that we are in. And, and, you know, we, we really, I really acknowledge you for one, the awareness of it, but really look at, you know, how can you give 
something that you don't have. It's something that you you didn't have the role models. You were trafficked, moved around 28 times. You didn't have the stability. You didn't know what love looked like, right? So you really just want to take a moment to appreciate you and celebrate you for even having that awareness that you want something different for your child, for your, for your older children, and, and doing... Um, the atonement, which I call atonement, you know, bringing back and harmonizing yourself with them and not just making work priority. So you have my utmost respect for that and, and being so vulnerable to uh, share that with everyone. So, okay, so get help. What what else um, you would know, you... Reading. Turn the TV off. Turn mm-hmm. the phone down. If you can't read, I couldn't read till I was 13. If you Is that to, right? Yeah. I couldn't read till I was wow. 13. If you can't read, get an audiobook. Fuel your brain with a different story. Learn. Get If you can't find a mentor, a coach, a therapist, somebody that's close to you that can help lift you up, Start the start your self development path with books, um, and 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 listen. You know that your your brain takes in what you're what you're feeling. Go on YouTube, watch watch YouTube. You know there's Bob Proctor, there's Tony Robbins, there's Mel Robbins, there's gosh Joe Joe Dispenza. There's all kinds of different mentors that share all kinds of of value out there. But start be, become a thirst for knowledge, become a thirst mm-hmm. for how to fuel your brain to change the energetic environment. Learn the laws of success, and not just the laws of success, but when you learn the laws of success, apply them to your day to day life. Learn what those laws of rhythm and the laws of polarity and you know the law of vibration. Learn what all of that means, and also being in a sense of gratitude like people talk about it and some people smirk oh well you know of course i'm grateful but when you become mechanically grateful it doesn't Mm. feel as good as when you are truly grateful and what it is you have there was a time where there was nothing i didn't know what i was going to put on my plate you know, our, our plates for dinner. It was, I was quite young when my children were young and I kept walking in the fridge and I kept looking in the fridge going, there's nothing here. I don't know what I'm going to feed these. And I was just coming from this place of burden and feeling sorry. And I failed in all of the things. And I reached over and I picked up, I think it was actually, um, the magic by Rhonda Byron. And I started reading one of her sections about gratitude. And so I sat down in my room, in the living room, and I started looking around at all the things that I had to be grateful for. And my energetic vibration just literally shifted. And it shifted from this, like almost into tears, to wow, I really do have a lot. I can't believe I have so much in my life to be grateful for. And the more I just kept looking around, all of a sudden, as I opened the refrigerator, I opened the the freezer, which I had done 10 times probably earlier, I realized I had all of the ingredients to make chicken enchiladas that night. A couple of things were missing, but I had basically everything I needed. But because I was in such a low vibration and such a vibration mm-hmm. of fret and doomsday vibration, I couldn't see enough to see what was right there in front of me. So grat- mm-hmm. finding gratitude in even the smallest things is so key. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the one of the things that I have to reprogram my clients because I would ask the question, my first question to them is, what are we celebrating today? 
And they're like, um, I don't know. They're just not in the habit. And myself too. And that's why that's my first question is because it, that is hard to reprogram the mind to be in celebration and appreciation and gratitude of thyself. Um, and and it's really a process to shift your focus from I don't have, I'm broken, I'm not enough to I already got it all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's because we hear so many voices. Uh, who do you think you are? And I love what you said earlier. Who do you think I'm not? Now, is this you the whole time since you were born? Yes and no. Yes and no. There's there is a part of me that was very shy. Um, I I am actually a very soft spoken person. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I no. When I was younger, I, I it was easier to hide. If you didn't mm. see me, then there was never a problem. If you couldn't see me, I was I couldn't get hurt. So you got one as a small child. Parents, foster parents, got one of two sides of me: the one that hid and was very meek, or the one that was angry at the world. And was going to cause as absolutely many problems as possible. Talk to us about that, that angry one. When did that show up? Like what uh, circumstances would have, because I think that's our, you know, we try to repress that and suppress mm-hmm. that, but that's innate in you. Yes, you are meek. And, and I can hear it in your voice right now. You're very soft spoken indeed, but that, that angry that you were able to harness I want to talk. I want to know about that the, the part of you. The last one that I remember, <laughs> that you know, going as far back as I can, that I remember the most. Um, I was home with my bio mom for a short period of time, and hmm. my um, at that time stepdad had gotten a sunburn on his skin, and it had blistered, and he wanted me to peel the skin. Right? That gross, right? Mm-hmm. And I got really angry, really, really, really angry over it. And I wasn't doing it. And yelling, screaming, kicking, not doing it, actually ran away from home. Ran away from my mother's house down the street, about a mile and a half, almost two miles away, to a lady's house who had this big playground in her backyard that I sat on the bus on my way home from school. I drove past it every day. I knew right where it was, had macaroni and cheese and hot dogs. I still remember it like it was yesterday and spent the day there because I wasn't going to do this. It was, it was gross and I didn't want to do it. Those were like the weird things that would like just suddenly just pop up. Um, into into later into elementary school and into middle school, I was the one that would stand up for the friends that were getting bullied. I was the one that would get in the middle and be really loud and get myself in trouble to keep someone else from from feeling harm. So I was I was that one that would get really loud when I felt there was something was injustice. Um, and exactly. I wouldn't necessarily sound, step, stand up for myself, mm-hmm. but I would stand up for someone else. And mm-hmm. then I learned to stand up for myself. Yes, yes. So that, that yeah, that's, you know, with all the censorship, mm-hmm. and I, I'm sorry, I apologize to you right now that <laughs> my Facebook reach is heavily restricted, right? And so, and I deleted youtube videos because they deleted one of mine and i'm like that's it i'm not tiptoeing anymore i'm not gonna walk on eggshell then i look back in my life yeah i was also uh, soft-spoken and uh, just pretty laid back you know don't talk to me i don't care you know i'm just pretty laid back in the background but when someone insists on me doing something or if i get in trouble for something that i didn't do oh my god Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a, a, and I still even it, it pipes up even now sometimes where if I feel like someone 
is not there to defend themselves. I've gotten myself in trouble over it before where, you know, yeah. they, or, or in disputes, like standing up with, you know, and, and some people don't understand that it's kind of like this, just like blow up and just blow it up, you know, but that's who, that's who we are. And who, who do I get to be because of that? I get to acknowledge that I did that. I get to acknowledge that that's one of my traits and I get to mm -hmm. move through it. Yeah. And, and love it, love it, and love it, love, 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 love it. Exactly. Yeah. Because I, I call that the holy fire when, mm -hmm. when we really go ballistic even. <laughs> it's because there's an injustice that we are here to talk about, to explore, to raise awareness on. And for me, it's being silenced and we cannot afford to be silenced any longer. And for you is really about you know the underdog the the victimized the, you know when you are robbed of innocence um and how do you get it back how, how do you step into bigger purpose and and you need that holy fire to be that guide for others and mentor for others so the yeah. system's broken and it's not just in america it is worldwide the foster care system is broken to a level that I have seen children, even though there are rules and regulations in place that are supposed to protect both the children and the parents, I've seen children get lost in the system for 10 and 15 years. Lost in the system as in, where, where are they? From home to home to home and never getting a permanent home. And, and that is your experience? My personal experience was there almost 11 years before I finally mm -hmm. was adopted. But this is the rules and regulations that were set up in the United States to determine care for a child when they, when, when they come into the foster care system. A lot of those rules and legislations are still back from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s that need to be updated. The system, the social service workers are overworked, underpaid, understaffed, and there's not enough foster parents who can, who can open their door and help a child or a group of children over the long term. Well, mm -hmm. and not enough resources to ensure that mom and dad or mom or dad or aunt or uncle, whoever has those children are able to maintain whatever it is that they need to get ahead to so they can safely parent their children. There's mm. no matter that. The, the system is broken. And, and it's not just in the United States, it's broken in Canada, it's broken all around Europe, um, in Yugoslavia and uh, Poland the orphanages are full like we don't hear about orphanages in the united states in other countries those, those are real those are still very real what do you see are the harms of that with the broken system hmm? what are the harms of a broken system well the harms of a broken system is a, a child doesn't get any stability mm -hmm. uh, and parents, parents the, and that's a problem because yeah because if they don't know how they don't know stability, how are they going to carry stability on into their into their adult life? Mm -hmm. I was known as the throwaway throwaway child because any time I had one of those blow ups, guess what would happen? Someone would pick up a phone and say, "Yeah, no, I can't. We can't do this. Someone needs to come get her," because there weren't enough resources to get the emotional support needed to mm -hmm. understand to understand the behavior yeah we're happening mm -hmm. and so that's one one piece of it the other the other piece of not having enough resources is if mom and dad have the proper resources and have the proper the people that are offering the resources have the proper training to ensure the accountability 
so that they can continue to parent their child. I mean, people recover every day. It's a beautiful thing. One of my closest girlfriends uh, recovered and never relapsed. Like, that is huge. Like, holy cow, I could, like, say a bunch of swear words because I'm so proud of her. Like, that is huge. Um, but there's there's not enough resources for them. And then you add a housing crisis in on there. Mm. a food crisis a gas crisis mm -hmm. the systems are in it right now yeah the the one of the reasons why often children come into care is because of domestic violence what happens most reasons where domestic violence come into play is simple stressors what are those stressors money is the number one stressor in domestic violence alcohol drug use drug use and then of course there's your your narcissistic and you're just the general you know dv someone no one ever deserves right for dv but escalate and it was something i never understood i couldn't it didn't make sense how a money stressor would could cause someone to go down an alcoholic or drug addiction path because they've lost hope so what do they do when they've lost hope because they're struggling to make ends meet they turn to something that numbs the pain and pretty soon it takes something more and more and more and more and more to numb the pain and make the feeling go away. And then when the, then guess what happens? The children start falling at the wayside because nobody is there to take care of them because now mom or dad or both have fallen into this vicious cycle. And so there's the fighting over the money and then the alcohol abuse or the drug abuse you start adding all of those stressors like we're having right now and the amount of children that are going to come into care will rise we i've seen it we've watched it historically happen uh one of the biggest concerns with covid when everybody got locked down was what about the children because now there's not an extra eyes set of eyes on ch the children because oftentimes school is the safest place for them so now you have i don't know where it is where you live but gas is almost six dollars a gallon where i live minimum wage is just barely over seven and now mom and dad possibly could be working two or three or four jobs to cover the cost of the inflation that's a whole nother podcast but like right and 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 brings us back to the presence the lack of presencing you know resources and you were talking about earlier uh, both our guilt that we were there physically but we were not there as our best mom self we, we thought we were doing everything in our power to put food on the table to be there to keep them safe but we didn't have that deeper connection between mom and children and you know and the family Absolutely. yeah and and it's it, it's breaking down even more right now mm -hmm. post-covid restrictions yeah yeah i i it is it is. And then when it, when someone comes into care, when a child comes into care, there's an emergency hearing. There's the child gets swept away into foster care. If unless there is, the child is lucky and there's a family placement for that child to go to. But when a child goes with a family placement, it changes the entire dynamics of a family relationship. Um, but the child goes into foster care and then starts a series for this child of all of these things that they have to go to visits with mom and dad. They don't understand why mom, they can't be with mom and dad. Mom and dad are feeling helpless because they've lost their children. They've promoted by this time. Oftentimes they've lost their homes. They've lost their jobs because of charges coming against them for various reasons. It's a, it's a vicious, nasty cycle. And advocates that can come in and donate their time to be the extra eyes and ears for a child that's in foster care is needed so greatly around the world. Um, and, and in the United States, I can't, I can't, not just for children, but for DV victims, suicide prevention. Uh, there's a couple of groups now that are really big in, in the sex trafficking that help go and help men and women get out of this extreme, get away from their abusers, get away from their trafficker. 
So for the listeners who want to get involved, what can they do to improve the system in foster care, uh, child sex trafficking, um, abuse? I would, I would of... find a local, a local nonprofit group to you in the area and they have specialized training to whatever it, um, it may be. There's, uh, I want to call it Ops 9, but I don't think that's the name of it. There are a variety of different nonprofit organizations, depending on where you live in around the world that um, are just that. There's suicide prevention hotlines, uh, intervention trainings. There's CASA, which is the Court Appointed Special Advocates for Children in, in Foster Care. Um, sometimes they're called guardian ad vitams. There's specialized training that you need to go to, um, but they will provide it for you and to help you learn how to be an advocate. There's um, even some of the shelters and the food banks need volunteers. They need, they need people more now more than ever to give back to others. There, there's such a huge, a huge need for, they've actually, there's an app I wanna call, I think it's called Slowly Brawl. Um, that is now it's a community app it's a check-in app just to check in on your friends check in on random people mm. that may be struggling today yeah oh my god and this is why i'm so grateful to you for saying yes to this podcast is you just revealed to us how problematic this is from a personal mm -hmm. Uh, experience to a collective like this is becoming a trend and that is scary mm -hmm. and you know you were placed 28 times the level of rejection I, I don't know how you overcome that how, how did that not become your identity because you you were looking for identity so I, I am so amazed by your it did become my identity for quite some time because mm -hmm. I got used to, I learned how to manipulate if something was wrong, I didn't have to stay and just go. If I didn't mm -hmm. like where I was living, I knew if I showed up and showed out enough, someone was going to mm -hmm. move me. Mm -hmm. I had attachment issues. I probably still have some form of attachment issues to this day but they look different. I've acknowledged mm -hmm. them, I work through them because of those, that identity, who do I get to be? How do I get to show up? I get to identify and help someone else. I understand and can empathize with someone else who may be having similar struggles, but maybe it looks different for them. You know, I often ask my clients, when the first time you ever felt that emotion that you're feeling right now? And usually it goes all the way back. And then mm -hmm. we start uncovering. Yeah, then you recognize the pattern. Yeah, that's that's really powerful right there. Breaking free from that identity to now someone who's mentoring others to step into their bigger purpose. So what else can you share with us? If there is an important message that you can share with the audience right now, what would that be? doesn't matter where you came from. If you can imagine it, if you can think it, if you want it, you can achieve it. If you can imagine it, whatever you, whatever goal you might have, whatever it is you want out of life, it starts in your imagination. And no matter what anybody else says, go after it, go after it thousand percent and if you fail the first time keep going because i promise you it's worth it in the end mm -hmm. because everything literally when they talk about everything we've ever wanted is on the other side of fear it really truly is it really really truly is if you are afraid to show up if you're afraid to go live if you're afraid to to have a conversation with somebody you're going to live your life in regret and living in regret is a lot harder than living a life that you love. Yeah, same energy. 
<laughs> which one do you choose? You you get to create it, right? Yeah. No matter what. So why not create it the way you want it to experience Absolutely. it? Absolutely. That's like, amazing. It, it all starts in your, it, it just all starts with a thought. Mm -hmm. And I don't care who tells you you can't do it. Keep going. Do it anyways. Keep going. Yeah. But anyways, take pictures wow. and show them along the way. Yeah. I, again, it's such an honor to have you here to have overcome so many things to have, you know, everything that you shared, uh, you're sharing from authenticity, honesty, deep, deep honesty. And I want to just really thank you for that because change cannot happen when you're, you know, oh, you should be this, you should be that or this and that. But you're really coming from that deep wisdom of having confronted your demons, mm -hmm. your past, and using those to re really rise above from the ashes and uh, ashes of crime against children. Uh, these are true crimes that is happening now all over the world not just in the u.s and uh, i love your message that yeah keep going keep going no matter where you come from and where can people find more about you stormy um the easiest way is just to connect with me on on facebook uh stormy r king you can also go to stormyking.com um to my website uh it is in the middle of being updated but it's 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 happening quickly um or you can find me on instagram influencing destiny um is my instagram handle so. influencing destiny beautiful thank you thank you so much stormy um it, it gives me peace in my heart to know because i i didn't have the same experience as you and when i was first learning about these things because of my own trauma and abuses too i was taken advantage of when i was 19 and i thought i was doing, you know what i mean but if could if it happened to me and it took me that long to heal what more with children not knowing a glimpse of themselves of their true self so thank you so much for giving me um that hope uh for humanity for the spirit of humanity to rise back up and return to soul power. Thank you and God bless. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind, take back your voice, take back your soul, take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of soul power to the people.